Hello, this is a special edition of Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe, and our special guest, new favorite friend, Dr. Steve Alardi. How are you, sir? <laughs> hey, Gerard. I am delighted to be here. I'm doing great, man. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, we have you here because you are the creator of our new amazing stat called Bonus Wins, which we're going to get into that in a minute, but we could not start the show without talking about the amazingness that was Chet Holmgren last night in Summer League. Coach, that he's the greatest player of all time. He's going to have 10 MVPs, 25 All-NBA first teams. Like He's just the greatest person ever since sliced bread. So temper all of everybody's excitement. Coach Thorpe, tell us why we should calm down. Yeah, I'll channel my inner Larry David. Let's just, he, he calls it curvy enthusiasm because he's tired of people being all excited. He just wants to tone it down a notch. That's what he says. Cur curb your enthusiasm a little bit. Let's just slow down. And I am not someone that hates on Summer League. It is what it is. It's a, it's, it is hard to watch because guys are just trying to do what their coaches want. They've just been meeting maybe three or four days together. They also want to either earn rotation time, earn a contract get an offer for vet camp, get a job in Europe. Like there's a lot of competing interests going on. It's, so it's a little bit ugly. The reality is Chet shot great. He's going to do that from time to time this year. He protects the rim great. He's going to do that more than a few times. And he scored a number of his points against Taco Fall, who is just not an NBA level athlete. Uh, he's got a lot of swagger. He's got a lot of confidence. He has been dominant for a long time. This is not a guy that's a late bloomer uh, like some guys are that his size. He, he's been a Team USA starter and star for years. So uh, OKC fans should be happy. I think, you know, Shea's a much better player. Josh Giddy was very good yesterday, I thought. Um, Chet's going to have a lot of problems this year, and he's going to show a lot of promise also, like a typical top three, top four, top five pick. And... Uh, We'll talk about him again here and there. I'm sure I'll probably write about him next week along with the other top four guys that were with him, uh, top five guys that he was one. But uh, then he'll kind of disappear on and off. You know, he could be rookie of the year, but he also could be someone that doesn't do a ton because it's a hard league. and He's playing against grown-ass men who are big and strong and smart, and he's not that quick, and that's going to be an issue. Taco Fall couldn't really exploit that. But there's a whole bunch of guys that are fours that play five that are going to blow by him and eat him up on the dribble. Meaning when he tries to dribble, they will eat him up as will gap defenders with their quickness and length and power. You know, don't, let's not get too high or too low. Let's just let him play it out. And um, when he shows good things, be thankful if you're a Thunder fan, but it's going to be a while. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you think last night when you saw him, Steve? I was dazzled. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't have Coach Thorpe's perspective. I mean, I did remind myself, A, it's just summer league. B, rookies rarely make a positive plus minus contribution. Right. They pass the eye test because we see the potential. We see the promise. Right. But we have to remind ourselves there are so many subtle ways in which they really compose a liability for the team. Coach just mentioned, you know, on uh, on defense, a lot of times, you know, they they, they just don't have, they, they haven't gotten up to speed on the mental software. They, they don't, mm -hmm. you know, the game is going too fast for them. They don't make the rotation. They don't make the read. They think it's going to be easy because they're used to dominating at every single level. Now the game is just moving way too fast. And I, I would imagine, you know, I agree with Coach, two, three years from now, we may get a sense of whether or not this guy is going to be an all-star. 
Uh, he, he's not going to be one this year. How about that? Safe bet. He will, <laughs> he's not going to be one this year. He's not going to be probably, let's just say 98% chance, not going to be an all-star next year. Well, th- th- that's the thing. I-, I feel like we watch basketball and like, well, not us, because we have the advantage of being connected to super smart people like Coach David Thorpe and yourself and the casual fans just sort of like, oh, yeah, they project so-and-so is going to be X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, do you know how hard it is to be a 10-time All-Star in the NBA? Like, oh. it's pretty much impossible. Like, you're a 10-time All-Star, you're a Hall of Famer. Like, that's not like, right. you know, it's really hard to do that in this league. And I just think that we just see, you know, oh, he can drop 25. It's like, Anybody can do that once, maybe, right? Like, can you do that consistently? You know, there's only, what, a handful of guys who've averaged 25 point, points or more in their career in the history of the NBA. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, ahead, he's, you know, his, it's great to have confidence. What's, what's not to be confident about? He had a great high school career, a great AAU career, a great international career with the younger team, USA teams. Uh, certainly did great at Gonzaga. Now it's the number two pick overall. And he just crushed it in game one. But the blizzard's coming. Like the snowstorms are coming. The hurricanes are coming. And some players can't handle that. I don't think that'll be an issue with them, but we don't know. Like this is not a movie script. He's got to be able to handle getting his ass kicked. Physically, mentally, emotionally, if you lose 10 straight games, this ain't Gonzaga. Like you're going to lose some (laughs) games for the Thunder. And it's going to be a while before you start winning, you know, three games in a week. It's not going to happen maybe two or three times all season. How do you handle that? Uh, th- what I do is I work with players all the time on that exact issue. It's very easy to be confident when you're rolling. Where are you when you're struggling? And I say the same thing to teammates. I- I've said this since my kids started playing and long before when I was a you know, coach of teenagers. Uh, you're not impressing me when you're jumping up and down when we're up by 30. <laughs> Where are you when we're down 10 with 12 players, six to play or whatever? Like, like that's the measure of a teammate for me when I was coaching young players. Where are you when we need you most? Because we don't need you when we're rolling. And a lot of these guys who have been so good for so long, uh, and they struggle with not being so good. They struggle with yeah. not even playing fourth throw minutes. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. I promise you already, this last week, someone has cried in a summer league locker room. I'm because sure. for the first time in their career, they didn't play. I guarantee you it's happened. I've never not seen it happen. Agents have always told me so-and-so was so hurt. He cried. Can you give him a call? Whatever. They're not used to it. This is, this is the new part of their, their new reality. Welcome to the big boy league. (laughs) Uh, So Steve, we have you here because of bonus wins, but you are a clinical psychologist, neurologist. I mean, you've got as many things, letters after your name (laughs) as anybody in the history of the world. How did you find your way into basketball? Uh, Gerard, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I've always loved the game. It may have something to do with the fact that I went to Duke. It may have something oh, to do with the fact that, yeah, that, that, that I wound up at, at KU as a mm. professor. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Mm-hmm. You know, I was that guy. You, I think you guys will both appreciate Some of our viewers will appreciate this. I was that guy on my high school team. End of the bench. 12th man. Waving the towel. Not good enough to, you know, and, but I loved the game. I didn't have the skill. I didn't have the tools. My talents lay elsewhere, but I, you know, I, I love the game and it's, it's for me, it's just, it's a labor of love and it's kind of fun to be able to do something. I've consulted. I've been lucky enough to consult with a couple of NBA teams, been lucky enough to work for ESPN a little bit on the side, just to be able to be part of this world. When I've been meeting with front offices, when I've been hanging out with teams, 
I love hanging out with the scouts. I love hanging out with the coaches. Um, there's something so beautiful about the NBA that I think people who are outside that world just really don't fully understand. It's one of the few places in my life, in my career, that where I've been immersed in a culture that is truly representative, that is truly, you know, where it's like, hey, you know, we're all on the same team here. Um, we're all part of the same family. And one thing I tell my students sometimes when I get a little bit philosophical is like, you know, we're all part of the same human family. Genetically, every human being on the planet is no further removed than 50th cousins. If you yeah. actually do a full genetic sequencing of every human on the planet, you're going to find they're all related. They're all, you know, they're all cousins. And, and you just blew everyone's mind on this podcast <laughs> who is listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it It's to me, there's, I, I had a conversation with a general, general manager a few years ago. I'm not going to name him, mm -hmm. but, um, we were talking about whether or not the NBA is more than just a game, whether it's, you know, represents something bigger. And he had the cynical take. He did. He was like, it's a game. It's, you know, it's a business. It's a, and I said, no, it to me. And I think to millions of people all around the world, it represents something more. It's a cultural icon. It mm -hmm. represents, it represents to me, it represents hope. It represents something that's so much bigger than just a bunch of grown men chasing a ball around and trying to get it in a little metal <laughs> cylinder. You know, it's so that's that's my story, and I'm sticking <laughs> with it anyway. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, one of the things that Coach Thorpe always talks about is, you know, it doesn't have to be a zero sum game in the NBA, right? Everyone talks about winning a championship, but like, first of all, that's a one in thirty lottery chance. You're probably mm -hmm. not going to win one. The reality of what you should be thinking about is how do I create an infrastructure and build a team that can compete when between, you know, 49 to 56 games every year in those good years we're on the 56 end and the not so good years we're close to 49. But in those super lucky years, oh, everything breaks right. We're going to the finals, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. and your stat bonus wins can really help teams figure out. Well, how do we make this happen? So, so where was that that born from? Let's break it down. First of all, first things first. So this, like so many things in the league and even in the analytic realm, it there's no such thing as as a a single person who's developing something on their own. You know, there's so this metric is a team effort. It's a collaborative effort. Um, yeah, I was a big driver of it. I've been involved in the analytics community for 20 years. But I, I've got to get a, give a shout out to my guy, Taylor Snar, mm -hmm. who is a wunderkind. He's absolutely freaking brilliant. I helped ESPN develop a metric that I, that I, I really love called uh, real plus minus or RPM. And a lot of people know this metric mm -hmm. now. Jeremiah Engelman, by the way, yep. a brilliant German yep. computer scientist, is, is the real brains behind that. But, um, but I got to be a part of that. I got to give it the name real plus minus, which I was kind of, yeah, I felt pretty good about. I liked it. RP, <laughs> RPM is kind of catchy. Mm -hmm, pretty cool. Um, but, but Taylor Snar, who's a, a, a young, young guy who's worked some in the league for the Utah Jazz in their analytics realm, but he, he's got a website. Some people might want to look it up called Dunks and Threes. We reference it all the and, time, Steve. It is our number it, one right. site we use here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so he's got a metric called, called uh, estimated plus minus EPM. 
which basically takes the real plus minus that we worked on at ESPN and just takes it next level. How? Because he's integrating lots of the player tracking data. So he's got all this extraordinary real-time player tracking data that he's using to refine the metric, to make it more and more accurate. And um, that's sort of the foundation on which, uh, and by the way, I need to give one more shout out to, uh, to Henry, um, because Henry basically commissioned this whole project. He and I had been talking for a while, and he said, wouldn't it be great if we had a metric that could put a number on the value of a player contract? And I said, Henry, you're speaking my love language. <laughs> because, because, because this is something I actually wrote an article about four years ago for ESPN that, that kind of did some of this, kind of laid some of the foundation, some of the groundwork, but never really took it next level. And it's always been, you ever have a project like that? Coach, I'm sure you have hundreds of them. Gerard, I'll bet you got a bunch as well, where it's like, yeah, you got it's kind of kind of kicking around in the back of your head. You're like, you know, someday when the moment's right, I'm going to take this and really, really take it to where it could be. So Henry was the catalyst. Taylor was the one who who had all the fancy stats to make it work. And then I kind of added the finishing touches and said, all right, we've got a really great metric of player impact. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, EPM, mm-hmm. estimated plus minus. And then there's a way of, of translating that number, which is a per possession mm-hmm. metric, into total impact, which basically has to take into consideration playing time, mm-hmm. right? So if a guy has a phenomenal per possession impact, but he only plays a handful of possessions, it's not going to really matter. Right. So what do we care about? Total impact, that's Basically, we can translate that into the number of wins, mm-hmm. which sounds audacious, but there are formulas for yeah. going from like, how are you affecting the team's point differential to how are going from point differential to projected wins. So we can actually say, for example, that the Jokic more or less contributed 20 wins single-handedly, mm-hmm. or at least in the context, his contribution to the Nuggets was about 20 wins last year. We can say peak James Harden, mm-hmm. 2018, 20, uh, 25 Jeez. wins. Which he was is, excellent. I, I mean, which is astonishing. You think about, okay, if he comes in and takes the minutes of like a, a replacement level starter who might be good for, let's say, four or five wins. We're talking about now taking a 40-win team up to a 60-win team. That's it's crazy. A- astonishing. <laughs> was that the year he so won now, MVP? Yes. Yeah. Well, how was yeah. he? So, how was he the years prior? Just asking, because I I thought he was MVP three straight years in a row. Had to be close. Had to be yeah, within he, the same it, realm. Now, you know, I, I didn't I didn't come prepared to answer this question. Coach, <laughs> no I, quizzes. I believe, no quizzes. <laughs> I believe he was plus or minus uh, about twenty one, and then twenty five, and then yeah. maybe twenty yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, the the three year stretch it was just absolutely crazy. And he finished top top three or top two all three of those years, which made yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Steph Curry, think about mm-hmm. peak Steph, 2015, 2016, 2017. He was in the same stratosphere. Wow. Peak LeBron earlier was in the 26, 27 Jeez. win range. So wins. so then so the final piece, the, the 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 sort of the capstone on this whole thing is like, all right, well, how much is a win worth what do teams pay for a win? And you can do the math. It's really simple. It's like, okay, well, total payroll. And we're just talking regular season. And we could, we could take a little digression and talk about playoffs as well. But for the most part, we're talking regular season because that's, what's guaranteed. We know 
players have a corpus. Every team has a corpus of 82 games, so they 82 possible wins. We know there are 1,230 wins in the NBA over the course of a season right. across all right. 30 teams. And we know the total payroll is about $4 billion. So you just do very simple math, divide the, the $4 billion by 1,230 wins, you get about $3.35 million per win. Mm-hmm. So now you take, you know, do real simple math, um, times 20, let's say, for Jokic, uh, now you're talking about $67 million or so mm-hmm. that he was worth. Well, no NBA player can be paid right. that Not much yet. because of the CBA. Not yet. It's, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, stick around for five years and we'll exactly. see. Exactly. But but um, so so now it's like, oh, okay. Now we have a way to compare the the product productivity, the wins that a team is paying for. So take salary divided by three point three five million, and that's the number of wins they're paying for, and compare it to the wins generated. Mm-hmm. There, voila! Now you've got bonus wins. The other way you can play that game, by the way is to say, okay, what's the dollar amount of the value this guy's generating? So I said Jokic last year was worth $67 million. What was he paid? I don't know off the top of my head, about $31 million maybe? Yeah, 32 somewhere right. in there, yeah. low 30s. Mm-hmm. So his surplus contract value was about $35 million. He was generating $35 million more than he was being paid for. And as Henry and I pointed out in the, in the piece we dropped last week, that is really, it's a dirty little secret. It sounds really crass to put it this way, but that's what the GM game is all about. If you want to win the GM game, if you want to kick ass in the front office, sadly, you are paying your players way less than their production would warrant. You are getting players on a, on a bargain contract. Why? Be- because if you only paid players what they're worth and you pay league average salary, then you're going to win 40 games. Right. Right. So you've got to get more production than you're paying for. Yeah. You can go into the salary tax. You can be Joe Lacob. You can be Joe Sy. You can, you can <laughs> gin it up a little bit. But now you're talking maybe if you're willing to spend in absurd amounts of money. What, what are the Warriors going to spend? $400 million this year? It's, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. We're, now we're, you can maybe you can buy your way to a few extra wins. But, but ultimately, <laughs> you're, you're going to need to buy some bonus wins. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the Warriors in a second. Um, but really what you're saying is, right, and, and the Memphis Grizzlies, which is a favorite team of, of ours on this podcast, they led the league in bonus wins. Well, it's because every player of consequence on that team was on a rookie deal or a super small deal. And therefore, and John Morant in particular was a superstar player on a rookie contract. Well, that's, 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 that's striking gold, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the best value contracts in, in the league was, was, was not even John Morant. But they're, they're two. It Desmond Bain, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly right. Um, and and by the way, that secret is out. I mean, front offices all over the league know that. And if you were, you know, Bill Simmons used to have a trade value column. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, I don't know if you remember oh, sure. back yep. in the day, you know. Um, and one of the points that I've heard him and, and, and others make is when you're trading somebody, you're not tra- trading the player, you're trading the contract, mm-hmm. right? You're trading the contract. That's what you care about. And Desmond Bain is one of the most valuable contracts in the league because that guy is generating $25, $30 million worth of productivity on a $2 million a year contract. And every GM in the league would desperately love to have that, that contract on their books. Yeah. I, it, it makes me think of something, Steve, and I'm sorry for not warning you ahead of time. I was going to ask you this, and you may not have the perfect answer now, although I, I suspect you might. Uh, Henry and Gerard know that when it comes to draft time, 
uh, I, my inclination is to trade down. I call it pan down from, from red to the nerds, more, more R plus rated, but pan down just, I'd the top three, top four, top five, fine. But after that, you're really rolling the dice and you're paying huge money for guys that absolutely may not make your team. And you tend, you tend to be swinging for the fences still. So you tend to be looking at the 19, 20 year olds, but there are 22 year olds, there are 23 year olds, or even 24 year olds. The Pacers a year ago took Duarte, who's 224 from Oregon, who went to junior college here in Florida. Those guys at the bottom of the first round who can be in your rotation right away. I don't, I don't remember where Desmond Bain was drafted. But guys, 30th, 29th or 30th. Yeah, the guys yeah. that can late, late, late. The, not, the guys you know can play and may not ever make an all-star, though you can never say for sure, but you know they can play, those are incredible bargains. And so I think we're yeah, going to see a, a move towards drafting older guys again, especially if this kind of metric really catches fire, as it should. You're, you're drafting young guys after 10, 15. You're still paying them a lot of money, and you have no idea. They're going to be in your G League team for a couple of years. Take the guy that you know can play to some level. It's a great value deal. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I, I was curious. So I, I looked at – I went back and looked at a draft that we all know and love, the 20, 2018 draft and why because that's that's the the most recent co well first of all it's a it's a hell of a fun, a fun draft to, to revisit right that's the draft that gave us trey that Luca, gave us luca yeah. right mm-hmm. jaron jackson, jaron jackson, and, yeah. jaron jackson mm-hmm. and just a whole bunch of amazing guys but we have four years of data for those guys yeah. right so i wanted to, to say okay um four years rookie deal what are the bonus wins for each of these contracts, so I went back and just took like a half hour today and calculated the bonus wins for the guys in the top 10 and then the guys outside the lottery. So uh, first round picks 15 through 30. And the average, there's a lot of variability, obviously, because, sure. you know, Luca and Trey are way, yeah. way the heck mm-hmm. up there. Um, the average bonus wins on the rookie deal for somebody in, in the top 10 was, was about 10, which is a lot. So we're talking about surplus value of about 33, $34 million that they generated for their team just on their rookie deal. So they're extraordinary bargains on average. The guys who were in the latter half of the first round, so these are mid to late first rounders, were generating on average only about five total surplus wins. So, you know, quite a bit less of, of, of a bargain. Now you could, you could look at, look at it proportionally and say, well, you're paying them a lot less. So you're not investing as much, right? A, a guy who's at the top of the draft might still be earning eight, $10 million a year by the end of his rookie deal. The guy down at the bottom, like Desmond Baines only going to be earning, you know, whatever, yeah. two and a half million or something yeah, next right. year. But, but um, it was, it was kind of eye opening to me. I, I, I'd want to do a, a, a much more extensive study across lots of seasons but my sense is, just in, in looking at it at a more cursory level, that a lot of the best values are still at the top of the draft. Mm-hmm. And well, for, so for, I think for sure they are, but I would push back on this. Those guys get more opportunity. Te- they tend to go to bad yeah, teams. Yeah. They, get more, they get a longer rope. If you're, mm-hmm. drafted, you're, if you're drafted to a playoff team, and, I mean, here's a great example. This is not a guy who's a draft pick, but I was looking at Juan Toscano Anderson today. Mm-hmm. who's with the Lakers now. He's 29, so he's yeah. not a draft pick. Yeah. But he, he might be good for them. He, 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 he is a very good long defender 
who kind of dropped offensively, really shot poorly this year after shooting well the year before, but on a loaded Golden State team. The Lakers ain't loaded. He's going to have a real chance to play for them, and it could end up being – they signed a few guys on minimum deals that can play, and they're going to have to play, whereas maybe where they were before, they wouldn't get that chance. So that's hard for you, I would think, as a scientist, to factor that in. And then also I'd want you to factor in age, because what I'm contending is – these older guys aren't going in the first round. They're going to go, they're going second round or not at all because of their age. And I think that's a mistake by GMs who are rolling the dice still with guys that really can't help your playoff team. And now they're going to the G league and they're losing confidence. This is an issue. Steve and Gerard, Gerard knows this. It happens all the time, Steve, the good player who's older has to go to the G league where the team, the, the, the talent is immense. Amazing. Second best league in the world. Talent wise, like, 10th best in terms of performance because they don't know how to play yet. But these older guys are playing with guys that don't know what they're doing and they lose their confidence. And that is a problem. Whereas if you put them in with a playoff team and get them playing time, because you draft in the first round, I think they'd play better. We're going to see in time how that plays out. I think. Yeah, I think that's a really, really insightful point. And it really was borne out even just in some, some of the uh, analytic uh, little digression I took today where I saw, um, definitely I saw that pattern, that even some some really quality players come into the league at 19, they're generating negative value their first couple of right. years. And we, we sort of touched on this earlier, right? A lot of 19, most 19 year olds are not even worth what you're paying no. them for. And especially if you're, if, if they're the top five, let's say. Seven million dollars a year. In and they're coming in. Yeah. Yeah, they're not generating seven million dollars of value until right. they've been <laughs> with your team for a couple of years right. already. So your point, Coach, is, well, if you're looking to maximize value in those first four years, and that's an, another interesting question, right? Because the, the team that signs the player, that drafts the player, has a huge advantage mm-hmm. in keeping them. So if you develop them, even if they're bad and they're negative value the first year or two, by the time they're 23, they're ready for the rookie extension. Now, you know, mm-hmm. you're looking mm-hmm. at somebody. I mean, look at a Trey Young, for example. Yeah. Who, Trey was, was not leading the league in in estimated plus minus his first season he was nope. he was not a very good player right because he was such a defensive liability and and yet he's one of the top value contracts that we saw this past year because he was was just so good such offense. a dynamo yeah. such a dynamo offensively yeah. and his defensive liabilities still there for sure it, i mean it doesn't, it doesn't matter yeah but but they're a mass now cuz he's it, so right. good offensively it right and 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 so now it's like, all right, well, are the Hawks glad they drafted Trey Young? <laughs> yeah, I think they're pre- they, they better be pretty glad. Now, are they glad that they traded Luca for him? Pre- uh, maybe, not. maybe not so much, but at least, I mean, you can at least have a conversation about it now, right? It's like, uh, yeah, everybody would rather have Luca, but like Trey Young is not a bad consolation prize. Well, it, it's interesting because I said this at the time, I think it was last year when Phoenix made the, the finals. I was like, I think everyone except for Sacramento because they took. Marvin Bagley the third, so wah, wah. <laughs> everybody in the top four is happy with who they got. I'm like Sacram. I'm like you know the, the Phoenix is happy with Aiton, although now that's not true. Yeah, um, Atlanta, Atlanta happy with Trey, Memphis happy with Jaron, like and Dallas is happy with Luca. I think everybody's glad with who they got, but you know, well, things can I, change. Can I can I gently push back to use Coach sure. Thorpe's language? Can I gently yeah, push back? Push a back. Bit? Um, I think bonus wins really helps explain some of what we've seen with with Aiton Be- because you know Aiton is, is is a phenomenal player I think we all really like 
his game. We admire what he's become, but he is not generating more than $30 million a year worth of value. So in other words, you look at him and you're like, okay, well, we're going to have to pay this guy. Whoever, whoever has him is going to have to max him out. So he's going to be making 30 plus million dollars a year. And he's generating 20 something million dollars a year worth of value. He's still improving. Sure. He's 21, 22. And and, and is that a function of the team he's on and the role they asked him to play? Maybe, maybe. But all I would say is it's not blindingly obvious that he's going to be a major surplus It's going to take a leap of faith for that. For sure. It, It would. And so I think what's happened and, you know, full disclosure, I did work in, in the Suns front office um, about a decade ago. I, I, I was going to say, only, I bet you have some stories. I, 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 uh, <laughs> that means off, yes, off, and, and I know, cannot I, tell them on this podcast. Cannot, That's what that means. You know, I, really, really, I really, really can't. But um, where was I? Oh, uh, my guess is that the, the front office did not want to max him out for this reason. And because they're, they're thinking, you know, I I hope they're thinking, um, if we want to continue to, to build 60 win teams, we, we know the formula, every team knows the formula. You, you, you have to find players who deliver more value than you're playing, paying them for. And Aiton is not that as good a player as, I mean, he is that this past year because he was only making 10 million or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, now, I, so I contrast Aiton with Luca and Trey. Luca and Trey, that's a freaking no-brainer, yeah. as no-brainer as it gets. Yeah. Those guys are going to be generating surplus mm-hmm. value for their entire careers unless they get injured. They're going to be extraordinarily valuable for their teams next year, even though they're going to be making $30 million whatever a year. I would even go one step further. Mikhail Bridges who just got signed to an extension mm-hmm. averaging, I don't have it in front of me. Four years, 90. So yeah, I was going to say 20 22 and a half. something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mikhail Bridges is generating more surplus value on that contract than Aiton would generate at a max, unless he continues to improve rather mm. substantially. So when you're hearing the KD chatter, right. KD to Phoenix chatter, it's like, oh, well, Aiton and Bridges, and it's like Bridges That's is kind of an afterthought. Bad news for, for Phoenix. It's like, yeah, not only would that be bad news um, for maybe for Phoenix, but I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say with at least with several NBA teams, the smarter NBA teams, Bridges' contract may have more trade value right now than Aiton re-signed to a max. That's I, not on the limb. I, I could totally see that. Yeah, let me let me throw out two things. And one of them is going to be a rabbit hole. I'm going to ask you to walk with me down, okay? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Watch out, guys. Short, Here we go. It's a short one. But first, I'll talk about Aiden. What I'm hearing from agents uh, around the league and players is no one's offering Aiden a max right now. And probably there you won't. Go. For, yeah, this is bonus wins. This is exactly what we're talking about. What you're talking about, Steve, what we've been writing about. Uh, Phoenix is going to match it. No, anyway, you're not going to let that guy walk. No, you just took him, took him number one, so they can't even get the max offer to begin with. Now here's the rabbit hole. Aiton came into the league thinking he was Chet Holmgren, offensively, mm-hmm. jump mm-hmm. shooter, three point shooter, little handle, seven footer, and sucked. And 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 <laughs> Monty, 
and James Jones kind of clipped his wings and narrowed his game mm -hmm. into a superb young big. Keep mm -hmm. it simple, own the paint on both ends around the rim, be a great screener and roller, play your role, we'll win a bunch of games. And he did it. And it ain't turning into a max deal because mm -hmm. it's not enough in the way the game is played now. So now here's the rabbit hole. Do y'all know who represents uh, Aiton? I'm not even sure I know it, but I think I do. Is it Wasserman? I thought it was Duffy. Whatever. I know he represents anyway. Chet Holmgren. And so Chet is talking about being Kevin Durant. That's his agent, <laughs> knowing, well, if you, don't, if you play like Aiton, the Rudy, Rudy Gobert is a dinosaur. We're not going right. to see that anymore. The, the, right. the rebounding, dunking, defensive monster, which he is, Top block shop, top best defensive player, leads the league in dunks every year, and he ain't worth his salary anymore. We'll talk about more later, I know. Yeah, we'll so, get to that. So, DeAndre, you can't be him. Chet, you can't be him. You've got to be the wing scorer that also protects the rim if you want max value. So that's why I think Chet is talking Durant the way he is. I think he's been told to do that very smartly so. Well, did you see, so after Chet's game, he was, he was wearing KD-15s, by the way. I did not know that, but it makes sense. So yeah. Durant tweets, excellent first day on the job. Uh, you not, know, nice kicks. Nice kicks, nice kicks. right? <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> Shaq co-tweeted it, like, you know, with the prayer emojis, like, thanks, KG, what, KD, whatever. Like, right? That's his. That's who he's, like, trying to – which, yeah. I mean, look, you probably ain't going to be that because Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, but that is a nice, like – bar to set for yourself if you want here's to have a question more bonus wins yeah that's the way to do it here's a question i have for you though coach yep okay they, they clipped his wings and told him to do all these things does that mean though he cannot develop into that or are we already we're too late down the road and ain't happening so it's a great question and i have an answer for you the the irony of the nba is you're drafted on your potential but commonly you're paid for what you've done you're, you're drafted on the come you're not paid for it that doesn't mean no team ever does it. I remember I had lunch one day in Houston. This is going back. You'll, you'll know how long it is in a minute with Sam Hinkie and Daryl Morey. <laughs> and we're just at lunch in Houston in the summer and in the fall, actually, before the season started. And Conley signed like a four-year, $36 million deal. And Conley wasn't very good. And I asked them what they thought. And the first thing Daryl said is he'll play his way into that value. Like he's coming. But that just isn't all that common. A lesser that very, very top guy. And so, yeah, Aiton can absolutely grow into something more. I would never say otherwise. He's, I don't think he's even 20. He's, if he's 22, he ain't 23, I don't think. Right, he's yeah. young. And, but the, the Phoenix Suns don't want to pay him for that. They didn't even want to play him like that. That's yeah, not the role yeah. they need from him. Yeah. Another yeah. team doesn't want to pay him max, hoping he can do that because they have no evidence of it. So that's well, and that's coach, yeah, I, I I love your analysis, and just just to layer yeah. one one more wrinkle on top of it. The other thing that I've done in the NBA is help teams project psychologically. Yeah, who who is this nineteen year old? Who is this twenty year old? Because we know that players don't hit their theoretical upside. Well, a lot of them never hit their theoretical right. upside. For sure. But if they're going to hit it, they usually don't hit it till around 26, 27, somewhere in there. And they're 19. So which are the players who have the, the genuine love of the game, the genuine work ethic, the genuine resilience, 
the you know all the things that we care about um and then you hear the chatter at least mm. about a like oh this guy doesn't love doesn't, the game that's what they say doesn't love the game you know and by the way we see that all the time with seven footers sure. You go, you never, you'll never see a six foot one NBA player who doesn't love the game because right. you can't survive. You, you cannot, make it. <laughs> you would never, but, but like literally something like 15 to 20% of all seven foot in the dudes, NBA. one game in the of NBA, course. Yeah. 17%. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of seven footers who don't love the game and, or they don't have the work ethic. They're, they're just, you know, like Aiton is so freakishly talented, but the guy wants to be up all night playing video games. I, I was just going to ask you, did you read the ESPN article about how many, how many, you know, gets like one hour of sleep because he plays video games all night? I was like, as a neuroscientist and a clinical, are you like, ah, I don't like I, that, buddy. <laughs> record scratch. <laughs> hey, wait, 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 wait. Red, like, I mean, now I don't want to make too much of it, right, right? right? Because, I mean, all of us have been, 21 22 and done stupid things and like i mean it it may have been blown way out of proportion that may not be a big deal but if that's truly his mo if he's genuinely somebody who's just not a serious i mean you know all of us have talked with 19 year olds 20 year olds who are freakishly mature Mm -hmm. and focused and locked in um i remember meeting uh noel at the uh, NBA Combine a few years ago in in Chicago, there were several guys that I met that just blew me blew yeah. me away. With their, I mean, it's one of the it's literally one of the most humbling things that a human being can do is to meet these draft prospects and hang mm-hmm. out with them and see how many of them are focused, brilliant, mature beyond their years. Um, but I don't think Aiton's that guy, you know. Yeah. And, and if he were, yeah. I think more teams would be willing yeah. to bet on the upside. They'd be, they'd yeah. be like, uh, yeah, all right. He's not what he's going to be, but the dude is a gym rat. He loves the game. He's, he's going to get there. Well, I, I want to give some nuance to that. Uh, I was uh, talking to and working with a really good player that uh, one of the best players in the world. And I was talking to his agent. This is, this is not yesterday or today, but um, uh, this guy is like a Brazilian soccer player. This is what the agent said to me. And that his feel is off the charts, which I know. I know who the, I watch the player a lot. Off the charts feel. His work ethic, off the charts. Like when I'm working him out and we're done and he's baked. In fact, one day we're working out and there's no AC in the gym. And this is Florida. And this is summer. And, he, and, he, and he's, his socks are sweating. Like soaked. Water's coming out. Sweat's coming out. And he won't stop. He'll just keep working and working and working. But I don't think this particular player wants to watch a lot of film. So mm. there's nuance to this. You're, you have a, someone that's mm-hmm. amazing yeah. teammate, willing to work his fucking ass off, build this great body, study the game with the team, be super, super coachable. But to actually study film is not something he's comfortable with for whatever reason. And there's another guy that was happy to study that film. But don't ask him to not drink beer at night or don't ask him to get the extra work in. Uh, don't ask him to see the phys- – I mean, there's some athletes who see physical therapists every day, who see their strength coaches every day all offseason. There's guys right now that are in midseason shape because they never let themselves get out of it. And there's guys that recover all summer, watch film, yeah. work on their yeah. skill but don't run a lot, and just take a different approach. We, with Aiton, my argument is, as somebody who's got 21-year-old twins – 
he he's still got some growing up to do. He might he might get it. He might not. This is where Steve, you'll you know, I've said this to Henry a million times. This is where I think the league can get so much better. As someone who's an amateur psychologist, I only have a bachelor's degree in it. Uh, then I met a really hot blonde and chased her and stopped going because I was going to go to grad school. But we're almost married I, in 32 years. Coach, so I, 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 think, I think you made the right call. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I, I, think, I think your quality of life is yeah, like, way higher. Don't be fooling around. That, that path. Don't, <laughs> going to grad don't school. Ever, don't ever regret that. <laughs> oh, I, I don't. I don't. When we're done, she's making a dinner right now, that same blonde. That is, but, that um, is hilarious. But I will tell you that uh, that's a really big factor in, to me, where our league is struggling, where the league's really yeah. struggling is, how do we build the, the infrastructure to best and help these young men who are dealing with stress? Uh, we talk with this, Steve, on the show all the time, Gerard, Henry, and I. Adam Silver's talked about it more than a few times. There, there are, I mean, right now, I've said this, Gerard and I have talked with this on our show. Like, we've got former players killing current players on social media, on television with a million viewers. Uh, every fan can rip them on social media. It never ends. And I, I just, it's not a healthy place for them. Not to mention the fact that they feel bad losing a game anyway. Yeah. So we, we've got to give these guys a chance to, to really figure it out. Uh, we do for the rest of us. Players deserve that same privilege. Yeah, te- teams teams need to be meeting in the NBA as a whole, but teams need, this is where you invest, right? This is, you know, teams are always looking for the edge. This is one of your edges right here, right? Your development and your and your incubate, yeah, yeah. incubation you. system. Like, look, LeBron was going to be great no matter where because he's LeBron James. But everybody else, if you got him in a shitty incubator, yeah. you're getting shit back, right? And that's just, yeah. you know. And, and I, I love where you're going with that, Gerard, because um, I think there's a market inefficiency there. Yeah. In, in the sense that, that, you know, if you think about, and it's such a cliche to talk about like Miami culture. But it's true. Right? And they're not even well. Actually, they're not even, even the I best. Mean, they're just yeah. You know, they, I mean, they have actually, a hard they, working culture. I, I don't know that do. I would say they have the yeah. best growth culture, but they, right. they don't the work ethic but, but and toughness. But the dudes that they've developed yeah. in the last few years are truly impressive, right? I mean, you you look at, at guys like Max Struess, you, you look Hero, at Robinson, Seven, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and Hero yeah. and Robinson and Ga- Gabe okay, Vincent, uh, Vincent mm-hmm. and I mean that's a lot of guys. Um, yeah. Just in, in a in a short and even even of Bam time. Bam's yeah Bam's for sure much much better B- yeah and you know guys like Kendrick Nunn yep. who mm-hmm. passed through yep. there who mm-hmm. were grabbed off the, yep. the scrap heap yep. and uh, so I mean metaphorically I don't yeah. no disrespect <laughs> to Ken- no. Kendrick he'll Nunn, be a good player you know, for the Lakers uh, this year that was a big part of why uh, they sucked last year is he didn't play absolutely yeah. but the but the point is and and this just to kind of circle back around yeah. coach to something you said earlier which is. There are guys who might get in the wrong setting with the wrong team and they never blossom. They never develop on their rookie deal. You can see the potential. And then other teams have to look at that and they have to ask, all right, could we bring this guy in and take him to a whole different level? Is it basically, you know, it's sort of like, is it you or is it me? Is it, Mm -hmm. is it the player? Mm -hmm. Is it the team or some combination? Combination. Mm -hmm. But I think in in many cases it is the player. There, you know, there there are players, and we we probably have some thoughts about who they are. Who it doesn't matter what team they had gone to, they're they're going to be amazing, incredible. Yeah. Who they are, yeah. And and there are players. It really doesn't matter probably which team they went to. They're not 
going to thrive in the NBA. But then there are the great bulk of players in the middle that have to go to the right situation, the right, they have to have the right culture, the right context, the right development, the coaches that can see the potential, inspire them, bring it out, get them, you know, and, um, I mean, I think it'd be a really interesting exercise sometime to just sort of rank order yeah. the different teams right now. Culture-wise, yeah. Who are the ones who get it, who consistently develop players in such a way that they bring out their potential? I mean, obviously a team like the Grizzlies right now, I think would, would be way up in, in that ranking somewhere. I think the Warriors would be mm-hmm. pretty high in that ranking. We'll see a lot more next Listen, year. The, Cl- yep. the with, Clippers, with young- the Clippers rehab Reggie Jackson and a, and yeah, they did. and Terrence Mann is a very good story and a very important yeah. Yeah. for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, job. and Reg- Reggie Jackson, that I I love that story because Reggie had lost his love yeah. for the game. He was on his way yeah. out. He comes in on a I think on a veterans yeah, minimum, yep. minimum deal, right. Yeah. But he and PG, I think, were really good friends. Yeah. And 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 Paul George is like, man, just come here. We're gonna we're gonna help you fall in love with this game again. We're gonna help you be what you still see what you still have left, and you have yeah. a lot left to give. So it's you know you, you talked about the who's doing it. It's it's like muscle fibers, right? You got a certain amount of fast switch, certain amount of slow twitch, and you got some convertibles, right? Like all right, <laughs> like who can we convert, right? What's what's possible to get converted into what? Yeah. So I, I want to stick on this bonus wins thing because. You know, in analytics, because, you know, Steve, we're going to have people be like, all you analytic guys and you nerds, like nobody cares about that shit. The Warriors spend $500 million and they win championships. It doesn't matter. Bop, 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 all that stuff. Like, but you had an interesting tweet, uh, I think either yesterday or today, where you're like, mm, well, we'll see how the Warriors do with, with their $500 million payroll and how much they how much they win, given the age of their certain players, that point about what contracts are valued. So talk to me a little bit about what you think and what you project with the Warriors, given who they were able to sign, who they weren't, and what's going to happen going forward. Yeah. Well, first, a big disclaimer, which is only a fool would ever, ever say anything bad about Steph Curry. <laughs> right. This isn't a Steph Curry guy, thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, look, um, I I love what the Warriors, I, I love the Warriors story this year. I, I loved every minute of watching them in, in the postseason. Clay's who could who could possibly not be rooting for Clay sure. Thompson to come back? I mean, it was it was beautiful, but um, realistically, I don't expect them to repeat, and I, I I'm not even sure it's going to be close. And and here's why: Gary Payton the second yeah. was literally second on mm-hmm. the team mm-hmm. in his plus estimated plus yep. minus impact. Yeah. Um, and he did it obviously on, on a, mm-hmm. a minimum deal. He's gone and he cashed in. And by the way, the uh, Portland picked him up, uh, I believe it was on nine, yes. nine million yeah. a year. And as we said last week, good for him. Get your money, my well, guy. <laughs> not yet. Oh, I'm ecstatic for him. Uh, the guy was working in the video, wanted to work in the video yes. room to stay, stick around. Mm-hmm. Amazing story. Um, he generated over $15 million worth of value for the Warriors this past season. So the Blazers, you know, assuming he stays healthy, I think they, they, they got a great deal. The Warriors are going to miss him enormously. They're going to miss Otto Porter Jr., who was another extraordinary rehab reclamation project sort of story for them. They're, they're going to miss a little bit, Bielitsa. Mm-hmm. And then, Gerard, as you said, 
their three stars are all getting older. And one of the, the, the harsh realities of life, but certainly of life in the NBA, is that there is an aging curve. And, you know, it's not just NBA players. If somebody wants to be a world uh, champion in chess, I, I saw Gary Kasparov, who's arguably, he's one of the two greatest yeah. chess players of all time. Mm -hmm. And he's now, he, he and I are the same age. I'm not going to tell you how old that is. <laughs> way the Co Coach knows because he and I are the same age too. Well, then I know how old you are. All good. Uh, okay. Yeah, sadly. Um, and, and Kasparov is like, yeah, you know, I, I'm way past my prime. He's like, the brain at this advanced age will just not do the things that it would. I mean, isn't that interesting that it, yeah. we think of performance, the aging curve of performance only being physical performance, but no, it's neurocognitive performance. Yeah, gotta yeah. be. So, um, you know, while in the NBA players peak, typically I've mentioned earlier around 26, 27, they're lucky enough. Usually if they stay healthy to have an extended prime, where between 26 and 30, 31, they're still very, very close. They've still got their fastball, as it were. And then the drop-off begins. And the, you know, the Warriors core, Steph, Clay, Dre, they're they're all past that. They're all past their sort of not their expiration date, right? Because they're still mm -hmm. phenomenal players. Mm -hmm. Steph is still top five, I believe, mm -hmm. in the league. Um, Draymond is a top five defender in mm -hmm. the league, I believe. Yeah. Clay is is a top, probably still top five to 10 shooter mm -hmm. in the league, but um, they're not going to be as good next year. We just, I mean, unless something extraordinary happens, we, we have no reason to expect that they'll be as good. So you have that drop off in tandem with the drop off on their bench. And, because, and oh. Weissman is not going to earn his salary. Right. Moody's not right. going to earn his salary. And right. Kaminga's right. not, because they're all very high picks that are too right. young yeah. to help a team probably. That's the right. variable. Yeah, they, they could. That's they the variable. could, maybe. Right. right. That's the right. variable. Is if those yeah, guys I suddenly could... play to, to, to the, their potential this young, it's a game changer. But it's hard to expect that in year two. And Weissman, he hasn't played in three years. Right. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to be seeing a lot more burn. They, they, they should be better, all of them. Jordan Poole should be better. There's a wild card yep. for mm -hmm. you, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if, if Jordan Poole comes out playing like an all-star, which I don't expect, but, you know, near all-star, right. which is possible, possible, at least on offense. Yeah. Uh, that will help a lot. The other thing, and, and I think we underestimate this, but there is a a degree of mental fatigue oh, for sure. after a season like the Warriors yeah. just went through. And I can tell you those guys are fried. Yeah. Fried. fried. The lightning just went They're, through in hockey. Three straight years making to yeah. the Stanley Cup Finals. It's not just physical. Yeah. It's mental. And Jason Tatum went through it after Team USA this summer. Mm -hmm. And he, yeah. he was unbelievable against Miami. And I love Andrew Wiggins, but it wasn't Andrew Wiggins. But I, I honestly he was, think he died. the Warriors' run this year to the championship would not have been possible if they didn't have the last two seasons off. Right. Right? Exactly right. The, great, the, great those call. two seasons of not making the playoffs For were sure. huge in them yeah. winning the finals this year. Yeah. That is such a great call. Yeah. That is such a great man. I love you. Should you should? Uh, oh, we've been talking about that. Yeah, I gotta know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Not a ton. No, that's, done a little that's, bit. That's, that, I'm, I'm impressed, man. That that's a really good. Yeah, because it reminds me even of the, the thought I think a lot of us had when the Lakers won their bubble mm -hmm. title, and it's like this team would have had no chance of winning a title if they hadn't just had X number of months off. Yeah, huge, right? man. Well, that? not not only Meeting that. Not only that, but in that particular case, because we 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 wrote that they can win it in June, mm -hmm. and the argument I made is LeBron is so damn OCD 
that in this crazy bubble environment, yes. perfect environment, uh, some teams yeah. are gonna fuck it up, but not mm-hmm. that team because LeBron will kick your fucking ass if you mm-hmm. mess it up. Yeah, yeah. That is the one yeah, yeah. team they knew who they were, they had an identity, and they can stick to that. Whereas Lou Williams went off to a, to the chicken place in Magic Atlanta. Magic City, get his little lemon pepper wings. Like, they just it was perfect for them, but that break yeah. allowed them to recover their old bodies. And and by the way. They've signed a bunch of young guys. That's the that's a that's a first time for LeBron. Even yeah. with Miami, he wasn't yeah. doing that. They're yeah. signing twenty five and younger, well, and they, got they no get none back. Yeah, <laughs> they, got, they got no choice. Yeah. They got to sign young dudes. Um, you know, it's they, funny. They are they are trainable. Yeah, <laughs> see that LeBron, you can train them. It's going to take you a little right. while, but you can train them. At least yeah. they can run and exactly. jump. Exactly. Um, one of the great things about bonus wins and all this is this point now of contention that we saw with the Rudy Gobert trade. And I know this is interesting Mm. because I think you and coach Thorpe are going to come at this from different points of view. We had an article come out where coach Thorpe was like, you know, this may not be half bad cat, Rudy Gobert and Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I could see them winning some games and I I could see that too. But you think Steve that, "Mm, I don't know, man. Like that. Oh, I think I think they'll. Yeah. No, I think they'll be better. I think they will be better. There's. I. I. I think. But you're you're looking forward at all the capital they gave up and yeah. what that's going to do to them going yeah. forward. I right. I think it was a, a really unwise trade for them. I think they they not only did they overpay, they dramatically overpaid, almost certainly. Mm. And so that's just not how you win the GM game, right? I mean. If their goal was to be better next year, they accomplished. accomplished. They, yeah, they're they're going to be a fifty win team because I mean, Gobert is a nice upgrade. What they gave up, I mean, they're going to really miss Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. By the way, oh, Jared I like Bell, him a lot. You talk about you talk about a quality contract. Yeah. yeah, Jared Vanderbilt is like basically generating about fifteen million dollars more value than he's being paid for. Jared Vanderbilt is is two more years on on I don't know what he's making six yeah, million small, a year yeah, or something yeah. mm-hmm. uh, small uh, small small yeah. deal and he's really good and he's getting better and so I hated I hated including Vanderbilt in that deal I think Pat Bev for the culture piece mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. was really important for that team last year they're going to miss him for different reasons but the you know the draft picks like. Oh so and Walker about, and Walker Kessler and Walker Kessler, Walker Kessler yeah. could be really could be yeah, something. Could be I mean, player, let's. Yeah. I mean, we need to talk about him as basically like that's another first round draft, right? Right. So they they gave up four first first rounders, plus most Kessler. of them unprotected, plus Kessler plus and a swap, plus a, a swap. pick swap, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. an unprotected pick yeah. swap, yep, unprotected. Pick I think it's swap. up to seven first rounders potentially they lost. I mean, it's just so it, it's, it's an absurd price, Steve. How do oh, you? Wait. Oh, sorry, Jared. Let me Good. just throw. Uh, sorry, I just want to finish this thought. For a guy in Gobert who didn't even have any surplus value this past year, right. yeah. For a guy in Gobert, a great player. He's playing to his level. Top, he he's being paid to the he, yes. He's being paid for the production that okay. he's providing. Okay, which is great. Fair right, contract. Fine. fine. Yeah. No harm. No foul. But you don't win a championship on the back of guys that are basically just giving you the production that you're paying them for. Yeah. And Go- Gobert, the other problem is he hit his peak production four seasons ago. Mm. And the general trend line has been down. And we see that with some guys. He's 30. He's, you know, he's played a lot of miles if you count not just in the NBA, Team but for the National Team, France. France. Team yep. France. Got a lot of miles on him. He's a big body, a mm-hmm. lot of pounding on those joints. His health has been pretty good, mm-hmm. but his minutes have been steadily declining. So you're paying for that 
that playing time. You're paying for that impact, and his impact is if you and if you just look at the fine grain metrics, his block percentage is dropping. Yeah. His foot speed, his distance traveled, his, you know, all those things are subtly falling off. Well, you're paying him for four more seasons and you're paying him up to $47 million in the last year of his deal. So the opportunity cost, and that's a you know term we borrow from economics, but the opportunity cost is just like, well, what else could you have done with those assets? What else could you have done with this money? I would argue that Gobert, if, if they were just offering him for nothing. Just, do you want to take this contract? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. You know, you, any team would be foolish not to take it. But w- what would you give up to have this break-even contract? Not a lot. Maybe mm. a first-round pick or two, but like, not seven. <laughs> not six. Not, <laughs> and, not Malik, Jared, and Malik Beasley and Vanderbilt. Malik That's Beasley, right. who's Beasley, a real yeah. Player. player. Yeah, I mean, he's a, re- he's a real rotation guy, yeah. right? Yeah. And Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, I like him yeah, a lot. I'd yeah. rather have his contract than go Bears, to be honest. So when you are thinking about your models and you're thinking about picks, and we always laud guys like Presti and Danny Ainge and whomever who collect draft picks and, you know, these, these draft capital. But they have to be realized and turned into something, right? Yes. Like, or else, like, well, great, you got you got picks. Yeah. But then, how do you factor in what we talked about, which is a lot of teams are dumb and just do dumb things. Look, Orlando's been picking in the lottery for how long? Eight Sac- seasons. Sacramento. Uh, so, and what what do they have to show for it? Like, so I mean, how do you when you're thinking about how we value picks? Like, okay, but how, what is this actually worth given who it might end up to? And these teams don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> that's part of the reason I did that little analysis earlier today where I was just like, all right, let's look at the 2018 draft. Yeah. It was a good draft. Um, let's look at the uh, bonus wins for the, the, the top 10 guys. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, on average, they're generating about 10 bonus wins for you over the next, on their rookie deal over the next four years. So if you do the math on that, they're generating about 30, I mean, it's going to go up, but let's just say 35 million bucks more than you're paying them. And you're paying them a lot because, yep. you know, the high end of the rookie scale. Right. On average. Now, you know, if you have a bunch of picks and you know a little bit about what you're doing, I mean, hopefully you're not just throwing darts at a dartboard <laughs> with a name. But even if you're just throwing darts at a dartboard with the names, you just go on ESPN.com or something or go on the ringer.com and get the, get the, you know, just find some freaking online draft board and throw darts at it at the top. I mean, you're gonna come out ahead eventually, it's because you're. Yeah. You, over time, you're guaranteed surplus value. You're guaranteed bonus wins, if you're if you're picking anywhere near the top of the draft. If you're picking in the middle, late first round, on average, it's still gonna gonna you know be useful. And like Coach said earlier, every once in a while, you're gonna hit the jackpot, right? Every once in a while, you're gonna. I mean, I'm not saying you're gonna get Giannis at 15, right? Or Jokic but, in the 40s. Know, and Jesus. Jokic at 42, but you yeah. might get you might get Gobert at 24. Yeah. You yeah. know, you might get, oh, here's one. You might get Rob Williams at 27. At, at 27. That is a value deal right? for sure. You might get Draymond at 35. You mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we could go on and on. Now, it doesn't happen every every year that you get somebody who's an all-star that, yeah, but, that far but, down. But, but Steve, you're getting to our one of our earlier points, which is something I've been writing about since I joined ESPN in 07. And that is it's not about it's not who you drafted. It's the franchise that drafts. What are mm-hmm. you building? Jordan Poole yeah, yeah. is in Poland right now. <laughs> Draymond Green is in Poland right now. I mean, they, they, they were trying to give him away. I know this. 
when he first was in the league and not doing anything. The Griff, the um, the Warriors had no faith that he was going to be any good when he was playing for Mark Jackson, right? They almost traded yeah. Steph Curry and not Monte Ellis, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, the, the change in regime, the regime change is what changed everything. And so just real quick to piggyback on the whole Gobert, I, I don't debate you guys at all. I agree with everything Steve said. I think historically speaking, 10, 15 years, and probably in 15 years, I'm in my fucking 70s. So I'm not going to give a damn. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be seen as that damn Gobert trade really hurt us. But I'll tell you what, my job isn't to worry about that stuff. Right. I'm not Kevin Pelton. I love Kevin. Brilliant guy, great person. He's grading trades. I am just saying, hey, this team has not been relevant since KG played there. I saw KG this summer out in LA. He's an old man now, younger than me. And he still, he looks great. He's an old man. That's the last time they, this team, you know, did anything in the playoffs. I think won a series was 2004. Yes. Yep. So they've got a chance this year. I was telling Henry earlier, Steve, uh, they should win enough games to be the home team in round one and win it. And okay. I'm not saying they're going to win round two on paper. We don't know what's going to happen. But there's, there's value they, in that. They might, and they might get lucky. They might play the Warriors in round two and Steph turns an ankle and they're out. The, Grizz, mm-hmm. the Warriors beat the Grizzlies this year when John Morant missed those, only played three games. And mm-hmm. now Minnesota's in the Western Conference Finals and then Tim Connolly gets an extension. And mm-hmm. all the Minnesota fans get three more years of potential happiness and then it may crater. Uh, it's ridiculous that... They had to add. There's no way, I think they would have. They should have done that deal. They should have been more patient. What's Utah doing with Rudy Gobert? I think. Right. I think they were bidding against themselves and panicked. Oh, we got to oh, get Rudy. We got to. Yeah. They'd have been better off taking a guy that they project 24, 25 year old that can play defense and shoot the three and just hasn't caught yet for whatever reason because been on a bad franchise. And I think they'd have been off getting that guy. I do. Because they would have had more bites at the apple going forward. Walker Kessler could be that guy in another couple mm-hmm. of years. But maybe in two years, Anthony Edwards is thinking, you know what? We suck. We're still not getting out of the first round. I want out. I think they're worried about that. Same thing with Cat. And now you're really screwed. I have a feeling that was that play as well. But on paper, you guys are right. I can't argue that. I didn't even try to argue it. It's a, it's a terrible deal from that transactional standpoint for sure. Yeah, I, I think, but you know, when we talk about what we started the show with, right, with this idea of it's not a zero-sum game, we saw the Timberwolves, Pat Bev crying that they made the play-in tournament. Yeah. All right, so look, for Minnesota fans who've been dealing with that dumpster fire for years, hell, if we make the playoffs three years in a row, that's like Shangri-La, They're like this is the greatest period of our lives. So they'll take it, right? Because again, to your point, we've been not relevant for so long. It's, just so, a, it's yeah, a real a expensive great... thing to do, but it's going to yeah. give them something good. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the bar is pretty low, really low, Minnesota for for uh, for front office prowess and and or ownership prowess. And they got new owners coming yeah. in, mm-hmm. right? But I think new owners, including a Rod, right, yeah. that are mm-hmm. already leveraging some of their yeah. influence. And and this to me, this looked like new owner for, syndrome. Oh, I think so. This looked Honor, like some new owners. They, gotta make know, a splash, it's the same thing with know. Utah. It's the same thing with Utah. That guy came in, yeah. brought in Ainge. Dennis Lindsay's gone. They went from the best team in the world to one Donovan Mitchell trade away from being garbage again. Like that happened yeah, fat they if, gotta, they, if they trade him. It, yeah, I mean they, they got a, they're stocking the cupboard for yeah, sure. For the I mean it's just now yeah. now it's just potential. 
But um, yeah, the, the, I, to me, the Gobert trade just looked like a new top dog coming in, mm-hmm. kind of wanted to mark, mark his territory. Yes. <laughs> if, if I can, if you're, apologies yeah, Tim, to Gobert. If you're Gobert Tim Connolly, who I know, if you're Tim Connolly, you drafted Jokic 42, which to me does not make you a genius. Draft him at 18. Yeah. When he projected to go in the 40s, then you're a genius. Yeah. But still, yeah, they yeah. drafted him and they developed him. And they put pieces yep. around him. And he's now back-to-back MVP winner. You combine that with taking Minnesota to the conference finals in the next couple of years. Oh, and all the, he's the highest paid GM in the world. <laughs> yeah, highest paid president, yeah. So yeah. to me, that's why yeah. he did it. It's going to come at a cost down the road. But he might be long gone by that point anyway. <laughs> he might take well, over the Knicks. Uh, I think what... You know what we're going to find out, I think, um, honestly, is what kind of an appetite does this ownership group? It's one thing to be Joe Lacob Mm -hmm. and to be in the Bay Area surrounded by dot-com tech Mm -hmm. gazillionaires Mm -hmm. that are paying obscene amounts of money for luxury suites. And you're like, yeah, okay, Uh, we'll pay $175 million in luxury tax to have a chance for a title. Right. By the way, notice that even they lost their stomach for luxury, for sure more did. luxury tax. I mean, they're still going to have a big tax bill. Huge. It'll be at least the 170 a- again. I don't see that happening in Minnesota, no. <laughs> but yeah. that's that's what that team is going to be looking at in a in a few years. Ed, Edward's Ant, on a max deal. When Ant yeah. is on a max deal, and now Cat is going to be making, I don't know if you saw his extension. Oh, yeah. Two years. Oh, he's yeah. going to be making freaking $50 million. So you have Cat, Gobert's going to be but cap, and him. But, but yeah. guys, the, what, the cap is going to go up. So that, that might three, be a little three, more valuable. Three more years, is it? In three years, yeah. The new TV revenue comes in in three, after three more. Oh, seasons. okay. I thought it was two. Okay. So, yeah, after three okay. more is what I'm hearing. Okay. So, um, so th- there will be that one super dicey year, yeah, um, right where yeah, where mm-hmm. they're going to have the three super super max guys. Yeah. It's going to be ugly, yeah. <laughs> and 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 I think fans are going to be looking at that and saying, "Look, we got three elite players." I mean, Rudy's going to be on obviously on the decline, decline. Then, but, but you know, Kat still Ant, all yeah. NBA, Cat mm-hmm. and Ant. And whatever else, you know, they're they're not going to have a lot of draft, yeah. <laughs> a lot of draft equity between now and then. No, they better they draft. better get it right. Uh, yeah. They better get it right. I wrote this. They better get it right when they yeah. do. And the second round picks too. Uh, that's why yeah. I wrote it's a big bet on Anthony Edwards because if he's yeah. Dwayne Wade or Donovan Mitchell, yeah. what a huge impact that's going to make. Yeah. yeah, I think they could be a conference finals team, but without being willing to go deep, deep, yeah. deep into the luxury tax, they're, yeah. they're they're kind of they're kind of screwed. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to be able to in Minnesota no. spend that kind of money. No. Now, you know, and this, I don't know um, if this is a good segue or a good pivot to, to one of the last points we wanted to make today, I think, which was, you know, well, what does bonus wins really tell us? If, if yeah. we, if we look through at all the contracts in the league through the lens of bonus wins, what pops out immediately? And when Henry and I did this, you know, last week, this exercise of just looking at all the contracts, like what's popping out both of us were smacked in the face with this idea that, oh, superstar, like super max contracts used to be 20 years ago. They used to be a great bargain. Mm-hmm. It used to be, um, you know, 20 years ago when LeBron or 18 years ago, whatever, 16 years ago, LeBron's one of the highest players paid players in the league. He's making $20 million and he's worth 60 million, yeah, 70 right, million right, yeah. in productivity. It's like, okay, so the formula to building a contender 
Well, where's the market inefficiency? Mm-mm. Where's the market inefficiency in the league? It's it's one of you got to get a top ten guy. No, you got to get two. No, you got to get two plus like a third top twenty guy. You got to have a big three, and all of them are generating all the surplus value. That's how you're going to build your your contender. Yep. And what Henry and I discovered is no, that that is no longer true. Yeah, that these guys when they're being paid forty five million dollars a year, fifty million dollars a year, you're Damn lucky if the, if you can break even on that from a value standpoint. So that's not where the surplus value is coming for the most part. Um, it might be for the Jokic, who's not super max. Jokic last year made about thirty, generating a you know sixty five. Mm-hmm. So he's still a good deal. Um, uh, uh, Embiid generating fifty plus million dollars in value. He's being paid low thirties. Great deal. Um, Tatum. Right, Tatum's generating, you know, so so those guys are generating a lot of value. But notice that they're young, right? Young studs. Giannis probably still generating good value. Giannis mm-hmm. is still generating good value for sure. I mean, every every team in the league would love to have Giannis. But everybody in their thirties. Yeah, KD. Uh, talk, talk to us about KD, the guy that everyone's talking yeah. about now. Well, he's he's at his value, right? You're paying him for what he's giving you. Yeah, and 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 I should throw in the caveat, the disclaimer that teams are willing to overpay for superstars based on the premise that their postseason production, mm-hmm. that they've got another gear. Right. So that basically, if you think about, all right, well, we're saying that, that a player's value is predicated on his regular season productivity. Um, why not do postseason? Well, we don't know in advance who's going to, I mean, we have ideas about who's going to be in the playoffs, but, but the playoffs are way, way, way shorter and in general, players' postseason production tracks pretty closely to their regular season production, with a few exceptions, right? There are a few guys who can gen- genuinely shift into another gear. Mm-hmm. They're, and they're usually these superstar 30-something veterans. Right. The LeBrons of the world. Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. actually do have another gear. Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. we just saw yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think we would agree, Jimmy Butler... Yeah. Amazing. Where was that? Where was that guy? He's a 16 game player, as Draymond would say. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah, exactly. He's a 16 game player. And so those guys, Draymond for that. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, he he ran out of gas. But but um, KD is basically generating the value of his salary, which is is exorbitant. 41, I want to say. Yeah, it's going to. And it's creeping. To go up. Yeah. It's creeping. He's got four more seasons left, and he's going to be 34 next year. Mm-hmm. We know what that aging curve looks like. Mm-hmm. We know he will not be as good. Coming off Achilles. Coming off an Achilles. And more importantly, we know his minutes, his minutes are going to go down. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? He he is not going to be worth his contract over almost certainly over the next four years. Does that mean we don't want him? No, we want him. I mean, he's K. He's KD. Right. <laughs> but we ain't giving up 10, 10 draft control for ten years. Five first round picks and five pick swaps. We're not doing that. You'd the, be crazy. The smarter. Well, the smarter teams will not. And I, I, I'm gonna be bold enough to make a prediction <laughs> that whatever team deals for KD is not going to be a team that we regard as, I mean, even right now, a team that we would regard as one of the smartest teams in the league. It's not, I mean, I'll just tell you right now, I, I would be shocked if it's Memphis. Yeah, I don't think it'll be Memphis. I, 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 would, I would be absolutely stunned 
Well, the, the reality it, of it is, guys, I don't think any team can actually do it. One, who's because if you look at if the Nets say, well, if Rudy Gobert got this, we're going to at least want the equivalent in terms of draft capital for Kevin, right? Okay, right. who has the draft capital to do that? That's already a small amount of teams. Okay, that's first. And then who has the salary to match with the players the Nets want attached to those to also make it worth it? I've already shrunk the pool. Even I don't even know who that is. Phoenix, maybe. But Phoenix isn't. Maybe. The Nets don't like Aiton like that. and Right? So, I mean, who... So- who now is you got to get a third team. Right. You're going to have a three team deal. Toronto's got some chance with, not with Barnes and Siakam. But they're, right. Katie, they won't don't go, give up, Katie right. won't go there, in my opinion. Right. He'll say, guys, you trade Pascal and or Scotty. I'm, I'm going to ask for a trade. Why, what am I going there for? Right. I got nobody. Right. So they got to <laughs> yeah. trade OG and maybe Fred and, and a pick or two here and there. That, that to me has got, that's got some legs to it. I'm, I'm not saying they should do it, but that's got some legs to it. Uh, b- because then Brooklyn is saying, all right, we're going to be, we're putting together a nice team. Yeah, we're putting together a nice team. That well, may not be enough, but that's the least they can say that. I, so yeah, coach, they need a lot I, of think, I think there is one maybe obvious play. Uh, one, at least one team that could do everything, maybe. Oh, the Pelicans can trade Brandon Ingram Pelicans. Yeah. 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 They've got like 13 yeah. picks, that's I true. believe. In this willing to go play with Zion. Yeah. Ingram, Ingram and, and picks, that could do it. Yep. yep. Uh, Ingram and, and something. some other salary. You know, to match. Some yeah. other Ingram, salary yeah. filler. Exactly. I'll, Hopefully not CJ, but um, no, can't be. Not I think mean. I think KD would want CJ there. Yeah, but, yeah for sure. But uh, you know, I Trey mean, Murphy's a first a really... round pick they can trade. His Trey Murphy's making yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you keep, they got to keep Herb Jones. Oh yeah, they got to keep Alvarado. Yeah, yeah. Herb, yeah. Herb Jones, <laughs> they don't make any money. <laughs> so yeah, they'll they'll that's they won't include them. They'll include Murphy. But they're yeah. yeah. Yeah, but those guys are great value. Oh, I mean, the, yeah, those are the bonus wins. Those are the bonus wins, guys. Right? Defense. Yeah, so now you look at the ensuing team, and it's like, okay, well, Zion, maybe. Yeah, um, if you come, if he, if, right, he if he, if he plays enough, maybe. But who the hell knows? CJ, no, he's basically generating about what you're paying him for, a little less, but you know, he nice locker room guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie, we've already established, no. Right. So uh, it's going to be really hard to win a title with that team. Yep. But they'll be good. But they'll be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll be in the conversation. If he's willing sure. to go to New Orleans. Yeah. He's got to say, he's got to, you know, you so, got to so, get So here, here, here's the piece about that. If you're Sean Marks, are you like, I don't really care where you want to go. Like if they're giving me the Absolutely. best deal, no, no, that's where you're going. No, it's not. It's not. Yes, of course you're right. It's the other team saying, I don't want to bring this guy in and have him yes. do the same thing to me in two months. You've right. got to get uh, Katie yeah. to say, I love yeah. this. I want to play with right. this, these yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. And then you right. can do it. Yeah. But Brooklyn's in a rush. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Queen, see how Russian Paolo, for what? Yeah, he can look see how, how Paolo's doing. How's Jabari doing? Like, I can wait to see how some of these young guys the last couple of years are drafted. And then if Jalen Suggs really is coming on and all of a sudden looks like a real top five, uh, worthy of the top five pick he was, maybe they, you know, Orlando's got some good players. Katie's like, you know what? I'll go there. Who knows? With a multiple and, team and we pick. said this last week, coach, if Kyrie goes first and they get anything back for him, Katie might just stay there. Oh, I, I've heard the situation Jackson. Where... <laughs> I've heard that Brooklyn he is not rushing stay. because they might be able to get Katie to change his mind when they trade Kyrie. Yep, that's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, I had not heard that. Yeah. It makes sense. Though. Yeah, you know, Kyrie's. You know, he's Kyrie. All right, uh, Stephen, this was awesome. We got to have you back again uh, to talk oh, more, yeah, more awesome stuff. Uh, what's the Wait, next? Can I can I do my 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 windy? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, my timeline all weekend, Wendy and Usher memes. That's all that was in my timeline all weekend I, long. And I'm just like, please, people, you're not funny. Like, n- none of you are funny. Like, no. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a couple pretty good movies. They made me laugh, but I'm an old guy. I really, I, not only do I resonate with dad humor, I generate a little bit of it. So much to my students. I love it. Dad humor. What's, what, what's, dad the next, humor. what's the next stat you're going to create? Are you like going to ride your bonus wins high for a while? Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I've learned not to predict. I, I just signed it, or I'm in the process of signing a new book deal. Nice. You know, my day job, my day job, I'm, I'm actually a psychologist. I actually work on- You have uh, real work treatment, to do. <laughs> treatments for, well, it's all real work. I told you, I love the MBA, but, but I also love psychology. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, an, another book on clinical depression and the connection between how we live how we live our lives day to day, what we do with our bodies, what we do with, with, with our minds, what, how we sleep or not sleep um, and how it affects our psychological well-being. So uh, that, that's, that keeps me off the streets most of the time. I like but it. You never know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm keeping this connection though. So, so I, I, I will come back and join you guys anytime. Awesome. awesome. I can't promise a metric. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. We appreciate it. For Coach Thorup, I am Sherrod Hector. We will see you guys on Friday for Bring It In. Take care.